Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. Don't see anybody having a bad hair day, so we're ready to go. We want to welcome you. This is the Global Watch International Call. It is October 3rd, 2022, 6 a.m. Jerusalem time. And this is the journey, which is our time of the week for discipleship. We are going through the book entitled Ecclesia Rising by Dean Briggs. And this week, we are discussing chapter nine, which is called Ecclesia Going Deeper. And let's start off with opening up with prayer, and then Sue will have a few comments, then I'll have a few comments, then we'll get right into it. Rhoda, why don't you unmute yourself and just open us up in prayer? Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the wisdom and the revelation that you've given to people that write books like Sue and Dean and others. We thank you that we can hear from you through these books, as your word is definitely in these books. And we just ask that you bless our time, guide us to where you want us to go, that Holy Spirit would teach us the things that we need to know, that we might become the ecclesia that you have designed us to be, that we could make a difference in this world that we live in. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Rhoda. All right, everybody. We just want to welcome you again. We're glad you're here. This is a very exciting book because we're not just getting information, we're getting, uh, I think, impartation through it and revelation. And it's going to make a difference in terms of how we pray. It's going to make a difference in terms of where the watch is going. And it's going to make a difference in terms of the, the territories that we are watchmen over, our cities, our states, our nations. And, and we're going to see a shift in the kingdom. I'm absolutely certain of that. So with that, let us go to my lovely wife and whom I am well pleased. That would be you, Susan. And you want to just, you have a couple things you want to share, and then I'll share something and then we'll go into our breakout sessions. Yeah, I want to welcome Fred back. It's good to have you back, dear. <laughs> he was off wandering around Washington, D.C. for a few days for a meeting, and it's really good to have you back as always. I hope you guys had a chance to read it. If you haven't had a chance, don't be intimidated. Jump right in. We'll take care of you. But these, this chapter, I feel like it was, it was a deep dive into the ecclesia. And I'm going to try to succinctly say what I felt like I got from the chapter. And basically what I'm, and we'll be talking about this more, I think as time goes on, is what it gave is foundations of building a community of trust to build a culture of prayer. And we can evaluate, you know, where we're at by what the level of, of the community of trust is and what the level of the culture of prayer is. And that can be a starting point for deciding how can we begin to influence our, the area that we are in. And all of us are on this because we're not we're not being called to be ingrown. We're being called to be influencers in our various environments. And we all know that we have challenges in that area. This book, I hope, will help us give stepping stones to influence the culture around us. 
into that realm of ecclesia. Just to cut things to the short, short for tonight, there were a few points that I felt like I got from the chapter and then Fred will add into it and hopefully we can hear from you as well and spur us all towards love and good deeds. On page 124, what really caught me was when he talked about Jesus, uh, Peter recognizing Jesus for who he was, that Jesus seized that moment to give the authority that he had to us. He said, you're right, Peter. And because I am that ruler that you just identified, I say that you are when he called forth the ecclesia. And that really, that thought alone, we can ponder through the night seasons of our life and ask God for further revelation of that, that we do carry the authority of Jesus. Come on, guys, look at each other on this line. We carry the authority of Jesus. That's phenomenal to me. And I hope it hits home to you too as well. And then what do we do with that authority? He goes on to say on page 125, to occupy till I come. That's taken from Luke 19, 13, where it, it, the nobleman asked the people he gave a, the minus to, it's the parable of the minus. He asked them to do business until I come. The word for that means to occupy. That word is also in Daniel 7, 21, where it says, I was watching and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the ancient of days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Listen, guys, we're transitioning into that time. We are in the battle for that turning. And what does possess mean? It means to occupy. And it's only mentioned twice. And it's both in Daniel 7. That word possess means to occupy. When it's mentioned close together like that, it means double attention. That means something to us, each one of us differently. So we are to take the authority of Jesus to occupy till he comes. And the third thing I got is page 129 is to build that community of trust. And I was so glad to see him address this, that it requires stewardship of what we have to heal the wounds around us. The body of Christ and the outside world, the outside world is filled with wounds. That's why it's going crazy. But the church, too, has got these wounds that we've got to deal with. And I commission us all to be in that place of sensitivity of where those wounds are and being vehicles to bring that healing. If we take the authority of Jesus, occupy till he comes, build that community of relational strength, the community of trust. If you put all these things together, we end up with what he calls the statesman soldier. And I believe that all of us are on this line because God is calling you to influence <clears throat> your various spheres of influence, to have courage in the face of adversity, wisdom, compassion, relentless pursuit of God, and that will ultimately end up with spiritual strength for the times that we're in. So authority in Jesus, occupy till he comes, build the community of trust, and all these will yield us as soldier statesmen and be the, what would you call it, the food to build the ecclesia. Yeah, so what we're doing is we're getting, we're trying to 
understand what we need to do to get the right foundations in, into place. Exactly. So that we can be in one accord with the Lord and be maximally effective in what he's called us to do. This is so important. And we all, every one of us is on this call with a deep desire to be used greatly in the kingdom. The people who know their God will be strong and will do great exploits. And if you think about it, talk about Ecclesia and Watchmen. There were four, four Israelites in Babylon that God used greatly to change that yeah. nation in Babylon. And they were basically, they were slaves, but, but they rose to prominence in the kingdom. And uh, they were Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, we know the stories. And the thing is, uh, but it's amazing. God used just a few people together and they were friends to, to change things. Now they went through all kinds of, their lives were at risk and they were, they went through many things, the lion's den, the, the fiery furnace, but in the end of the day, they changed the leader and they changed the kingdom. So God can do much with just a few people who are committed and who are close to him and who have his heart and are walking in his authority. <clears throat> so my one comment that really struck me was from starting on the bottom of page 130 and going on to page 131. And we know this statement, but I just want to read what Dean had to say because it's it's worth repeating and we all know this, but it's very, it's just very key to an understanding of the ecclesia. And his he quotes from Mark 1, 11, 17, Mark 11, 17, and says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And then Dean set, writes in his book, get this, it's not just a house of believers. In other words, not just an assembly, nor is it a house of worthy causes and much activity, not a house of programs and outreach. However good those may be, no, his house is a house of prayer. Prayer is fundamental. It's the baseline. How can we be his house if we aren't characterized by a culture of prayer? Prayer is the way the ecclesia legislates for change. We see a stronghold such as abortion. In response, we weep, we cry, we take action. But above all, we pray. Prayer is the power of God. Prayer channels divine energy toward earth. Prayer represents the great weakness in which the strength of God is best revealed, the hand stretched forth to his garment's hem. For when we spend our time in prayer, we are admitting to God that his answer is better than all the energy we could be pouring into any other sort of human response. For whom do we pray? Me? Sometimes, yes, that's part of it. But the inward focus of church must be radically balanced by the outward mission of ecclesia. Jesus could not be plainer. This is prayer for the nations. Man, that is powerful. And, uh, and we have to understand that, that we need to pray for ourselves and for each other. But he's saying that ecclesia is, the ecclesia is the legislative body that has the governmental power to advance the kingdom. And this is what we're, what we're doing, occupy until I come. It's not just passive occupation, it's advancing the kingdom, it's preparing his bride for his return. 
And that is really our calling and our mission. And it's not just for us. It's not just for a small group, though we're to be forerunners. It is for, it's for his body. And that's what the ecclesia is. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Sue, do you have anything you want to add before we no, I'd like to hear from a couple of people any kind of comments they have or what they take home messages, and then we can go into small groups. Okay, let me call on a couple of people. I would like to call on Miss Margaret Greck. Would you, do you have any, what was, do you have any comments about what really struck you in this chapter? It is the dominion part that really, and as Susan said, occupies what really hits me. And what you said right now, admitting to God, prayer, admitting to God that his answer is better than all our energy could pouring out in any other sort of human response was really very much in my heart that prayer is fundamental. And I'm afraid many churches miss this. And yeah, there was another one that I, yes, this one here. It says, that is why in page one through nine, the Ecclesia is founded on apostles and prophets. And this really stuck home to me because the church is based, I mean, as church is based on the pastor, the leader, the worship leader, and that kind of thing. But this ecclesia founded on apostles and prophets. And for me, that really spoke a lot because many churches, at least in Malta, they put aside prophets, maybe not so much apostles. Yes, this is something that need to be spoken of even more clearly and yeah very important yeah margaret i think you're touching on stuff that's near and dear to our heart and i feel like what we are in training for is to influence our churches yeah because we we need to treat it very carefully because it's not our story it's his story that's in the church yeah. But I believe he's raising up the awareness now of the ecclesia. And, and I feel like for the watch, we are committed to raising up statesmen, soldiers, uh, like what he said, who have some wisdom and understanding on how to deal with it rather than the pointing of the finger, which is so easily done. That's not where we're going with this. We want to be statesmen, leaders that can influence up that can influence our churches influence our pastors in a different paradigm and bring them back to this foundation and i just put in i just put in the link to unleashed unlocking the power of corporate prayer i would encourage you all to get it and read it because it it gives a biblical foundation of how we can begin this process of influencing up and influencing our churches into a different paradigm I just want to add one thing, so thank you for saying that ever since I have repented from my anger toward the church and other things, my heart's gone very soft and I'm very compassionate. I'm really praying and I'm praying for the church. And I was asking the Lord, but how do we do it? So thank you very much for this. Thank you. Amen. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Margaret. Let us go to, I'd like to go to Lena. Would you like to unmute yourself and give us a thought of what struck you? Um, this chapter, I couldn't stop highlighting. Yeah, and then, and yeah, it definitely was very meaningful 
the that the ecclesia is founded and apostle and prophet that hit me too that we live in a church setting where it's really built on pastoral care and this understanding that we are at war and we need to occupy is not a mindset um that is needed and it did so already brought it up this understanding that we have authority and we have the ear of god and the anointed one has given us his anoint and his authority and he has called us to represent him yeah that that has been very meaningful too this chapter though i i have to come back and reread it i never do that but i I mean, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he covers a, a lot. It's a deep dive. <laughs> yeah. and, we, and we need to, I think you bring up a good point, Lena, is that we need to really, it's not just knowledge, it's not just head knowledge. We need to incorporate that into our identity and we need to understand that we have the backing of heaven. And that is, that takes some unlearning of many of the things that we've learned in, in church. And again, I'm saying this not to be critical. That's but this is why the whole definition of ecclesia, why a whole book can be written about this is because it's, it changes everything and, uh, and it makes, it pulls into making a lot more sense out of what we're doing, why we're called to pray why we're called to to advance the kingdom why it's why all these things it brings some answers some biblical answers to what god has put as seed into our spirits and so i would <clears throat> definitely agree and encourage you and encourage everybody who feels that they need to get more to go through it and read it again i'm reading this whole book for a second time and i'm getting a lot more out of it than i did when i read it the first time and that's just it's so important so anyways thank you for that Let's go can, to, I'm sorry. Go can ahead. I say one more thing? One of the yeah. things is, it's a struggle for me is that, I mean, after reading this chapter, I'm convinced, or I feel like I'm more convinced that it doesn't, that one man come us like a council coming before the Lord can actually shift the whole city. I'm believing that, but I still struggle with that. And I think I'm trying to understand that. Does it take, does it take a representation of the body of Christ in the city to shift things in the city? Or does it take a handful of watchmen to shift the city? Does it take a handful of gatekeepers to shift? You know what I mean? There's something I want to understand more, but I am believing that it could take, I don't know what God responds, what he will respond to, but it could take just a handful of people coming before the Lord as the city council and, and in authority pray on behalf of the city. So yeah. This is where our faith is being stretched. And we, it's almost like, it's so counterintuitive that it's like, you read what, two or three? How is that even possible? And yet he's saying that in his word. And I, certainly for many of us, I know one of my favorite stories is the story of Gideon. And Gideon was already outnumbered something like three or four to one. And God said, basically, you have too many people. You need to, you, if you win, you'll think that this is in your own strength. And he whittled it down from, I think, 30,000 to 300. And which is like a versus 120,000 of the enemy. That's just such a ridiculous, those are just such ridiculous odds. You just, and, but he didn't give that story in the Bible just for a historical, oh, that was amazing, but that doesn't pertain to us. I think there's some clues about how it absolutely does pertain to. And even, more so with, we don't even need 300, it's two or three, but part of it is 
we have to go forth in that authority and then get some experience and get some testimony with that. And then with the testimony, everything will start to build. And I think that's part of the next step that we need to go towards. But yeah, thank you for sharing. Fred, I'm just going to pipe in here, Lena, with just this, this perspective that we hold on to here that we've been to the big stadium events and the big prayer events. And if I look back on my life, I can't remember anything about them. But I do remember the encounters with God with a small group of people. And in fact, every time we've tried to grow bigger, the Lord has whittled us down. And But he's whittled us into a new strength. And it, it comes out in a greater strength. And I can say that here in our own city, we start got to cut our teeth on the fourth watch, six of us, six nights a week, one each night for six months, and the crime rates plummeted 30%. And it started getting the attention of the news media and the police, and they all came to us and said, what's going on? A very few people in agreement with God can shift a city. And it's getting the strategy of God, the mind of God, and then just praying and obeying. And I'd still like to see those days come back and in, in the watch as a strategy to take your city. But it requires what I'm seeing now, though the times have gotten much darker, and it does require more strength. It requires more internal strength for each one of us. And I think it requires more corporate strength, more this community of trust. It can't be just a loose six, six of us doing it. It's going to require a little bit more strength like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who weren't afraid to go into the fire. Yeah. So let's, let's just have one more person, and then we'll go, into, we'll go into our breakout sessions. Let's have Bob Johns. Bob, you want to unmute yourself and just give us your what struck you in this chapter? Page, uh, page 130 there, the old farmer thing, Fred. Uh-huh. Vance Hovner rightly adds, God uses broken things. It takes a broken soil to produce a crop. Broken clouds to give rain, broken grain give bread, broken bread give strength. It is the broken alabaster box that gives forth perfume. It is people weeping bitterly who returns to greater power than ever. So as we go through the brokenness, I see that's we talked every morning about the seed being watered. And I think we're at a significant time that we have the same mind. We have the mind of Christ. So our identity, I think, is going to determine how much power and authority we operate in. If my belief window says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if I can have love and compassion and patience, I'm one of those Roman builders that was done in one day. I understand. But we still need to bring people beside us and encourage them. And I shared this today in the fellowship of the church. And they look at you. They really don't know what to do with the word. And especially if you tell them it's been 2,000 years since they've understood really what the meaning of the word is. They stare at you. And I'm okay with that. But I so value what we're studying here, and I so value what I'm going to see God do. I think we're on the cutting edge. You guys know that. And we have such potential here to be influencers and encouragers for those who don't really fully understand and appreciate the word today. So I think it's a matter of time where we're focused and let the Lord do the work, and we're out of the way. Yep, that's a really good point, Bob. One, One of the things that Susan and I were talking about even today is that you don't read something once, especially something that's like life changing. You don't read it once and then suddenly you get it and then everything changes. You can, God can do that with a revelation, but usually the way that we change our minds and we change our paradigms and our mindsets is we have to be, we have to be looking at this multiple times over time. That so when you talk about this with people like at your church or 
people that you know who are believers who've never who've never heard about the about ecclesia who've never read the book who've never had any exposure to it they are going to look at you with like blank stares because it's just it's what are you talking about it's they don't get it but if you get them if you talk with them about it multiple times if you get them reading the book if you get them digging into the word it starts to then god the holy spirit starts to do his work and starts to change things again we've said this before but Susan and I heard this message first seven years ago, and uh, and it's been a and we've been on it, and it's been it's a progressive revelation, and we've had to wrestle with it because it is so fundamentally, it's such a fundamental shift from what we what our understanding of church is, but but I just want to say keep at it because it's you're right it's it can change things and it can empower people and ecclesia somebody wrote this I think it was Jennifer ecclesia is. He's talking about his body. He's talking about the church. He's just not, not talking about a small group. He's talking about the entire body. If we get a revelation of that, the reason why it's a small group now is because we're forerunners, but he wants to, he wants that revelation to go to all of his people. That's very exciting because when you think about the potential for that, that is, it is absolutely world changing. So with that, let us go. I don't want to take any more time. Let's go to the Susan, do you have any more, one thing more that you want to say, and then we'll go into the breakout group? No. Okay. So let me put the breakout question in the chat, and then we'll get into it. Room one, you have a spokesperson you'd like to... Lena, okay, come on. Let's go for it. <laughs> Gail brought up page 119, which was an, a really good answer, about how the church is to take action. So we have the Ecclesia has clearly has been given the task of governance, justice, and the overcoming of evil. So that's in summary what it means to actually to occupy is. And I brought up how when he said, upon this rock, I will build my Ecclesia, he also said, and the gates of hell will not summit. And uh, it's, I was saying how it was so meaningful to me because I was thought as if we were going in and setting the captives free, but it's more, it's pushing back the darkness, it's pushing back the gates, pushing back what the current boundary is, and it's just pushing it back and establishing his kingdom boundary further, gaining territory for the kingdom. Yeah. So in summary, and we in summary, it's just taking action and not just, it's about what we do outside the church. Is we pray and then we go out and do what he's called us to do and ask us to do. Amen. So it's not just defensive, it's offensive. Yes, that was the point. Yes, offensive. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And we don't have to wait until Sunday morning to to move forward. Yeah. (laughs) Just two or three. All right, great. Thank you for stepping up to the plate. All right. Let us go to room two. Room two. Spokesperson. Hey, that's me. There's lots and lots of good stuff. We went from the first comment was basically saying that to do this, we have to go from being passive to taking responsibility before God, affirming our calling and identity. And that with, and then with our understanding of this comes that responsibility. We are taking up a position that we already have, but there was this emphasis on not what we know now gives us that responsibility. And then, but thankfully, we were reassured that Jesus is fully behind us. We are created in his image as his born-again sons and daughters. 
We're talking about having the heart of Jesus, particularly his fearlessness, about identity again, possessing our identity so we can possess, so we can take this position, not to shrink back. Once again, the fear can be a problem, but we have that faith in his word. And then that the authority we have, he's already paid the price for. And then at the end, there was a testimony of how one of, one of the people in our group had confirmation from God that his prayers were actually achieving achieving things and how that there was just that confirmation of things that were happening around him were actually affecting what was happening and that, that was really good. And I guess that's part of this occupying this this part of possessing or he wants us to possess them. So there was lots there. Thank you. Amen. And I, testimony is so powerful because it increases our, when you we have testimony, one of the things that really motivates people to pray is answered prayer and hearing about answered prayer. And that just really spurs us on. So that's great. But the yeah. idea of going from being passive to taking responsibility, that is just so absolutely key. And this is what the whole concept of understanding the ecclesia is a big part of that. So thank you so much, Susan. That was great. Let us go to, I'm sorry, did you have something else? I was just saying it was a good group. There was a lot, lot of good stuff there. Yeah, okay. Hey, I just want to glitch onto that, taking responsibility. I just encourage us all to do that. You guys are being responsible by being on this call, but taking responsibility to influence our culture. Yeah. That, that, I, I, our the church is set up for us to be passive if we're not pastors. <laughs> and that's not what the God is calling us to be. Yeah. To do. Amen. That's good, Sue. All right. Let us go on to room three. Room three, spokesperson. There I am, Fred, once again. <laughs> so, uh, Fred, I was blessed with six anointed women with wisdom and knowledge. I'm totally blessed. So let that be out in front. One of the big, I could give you names, but not sincerely, I think one of the big things that came out is interdenominational working together in unity. I think another factor that came out very strongly, we need to be humble about this and only directed by what the Lord gives us to do and go with his will and his authority, not ours. Also, it's really not about numbers, but it's about those that come together to make change and want to see change happen. Only where the Lord wants us to go, I think I've said that, but be intentional about what we're doing. One person spoke that they have a tendency that when things come is to shrink back and withdraw, but saying I'm being directed to get bold and go forward and take what accountability, what he's given to me. And I think we can all go to that place at times. And yeah, that hey, we hey, need Bob, to learn I, to Bob, Bob, let me just interrupt you for a second. This is so important because one of the things that will get us from a passive to an active position is if we're in agreement with each other about moving forward. And, and you can, there's time and time again, when I've come from a place of fear or passivity to a place of boldness and action with the encouragement and the prayers of others, there's, that cannot be overestimated. That's why the whole corporate prayer and why the, the ecclesia is corporate why my wife wrote a book about corporate prayer, why the watchman, why we're called to do things corporately. So that is, that's absolutely a key point. Anyways, I interrupted you, so go ahead. No problem. And I think another big thing that was brought up that we do have a cloud of witnesses. And the fact too, that we need, if we've got brokenness going on in our relationships, 
we need to build trust back in where people maybe feel felt alienated or this or that. We need to learn to build trust in each other as we build these groups together to take on what we're called to do. And so I think that's always good to always be honest and open and vulnerable where you are walking and where you feel brokenness. So yeah. those are the main points. Yep. That's really good. That, that, and being honest and open and transparent, that's a place where trust can be built. And, and that's so key. Fred, that this whole sense and get this into our heads and hearts tonight, that we are aiming to build this community of trust. We've worked hard, long labor to lay a foundation that where we land there's this, it's a platform of trust and safety for the, particularly for the profits to, um, land and from that we can run but this community of trust is very important especially in this end time culture that's rising up the culture of betrayal <clears throat> yep that's right for sure thank you my dear all right let us go to room four room four spokesperson would you like to unmute yourself and give us a couple of points Lena, that's you Lena Law? Yes. Well, Lena was already- You need to one. unmute yourself on. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realize that. Oh, Lena Law. Okay. Sharing us among each one of us is always very encouraging. And we talk about the trials that you have to go through and coming out of it. The chapter is very encouraging in the sense that Christ himself talked about the sign of Jonah. And that he called Peter, you are the son of Jonah. And to be the son of Jonah, why? Because they have to go through that darkness alone, by themselves. To have to go through that to be tested. And after that, when they come out, then they were able to carry on that mission that they were supposed, they were first called to do. Jonah himself went through and in complete darkness, three days, three nights. Same with Peter himself. He was called the rock, the ecclesia, the first son to lead the rest of the Gentile into repentance. And Christ himself too has to go through that three days, three nights in, in, in Hades. And each one of us have to, in a way, will be tested not in the past, now, and ongoing. And you can go through it that gave you the authority that God will give it to you. And then I felt that, yeah, by learning truth and listening and going deeper, this is what going deeper it is about. Your assignment will be given to you. And what is the assignment? The assignment may be your church, your family, your community, your nation. Each one of us will be called to go wherever each one of us will be. And we are already doing that and being encouraged to go further as Sue and Fred was talking about, the influence we are, and if we get ourselves that we can pass through that testing and that you are responsible and that you will be, you, you have the, the anointing, then whatever you say, whatever your prayer, your mission will be anointed. People will be touched by your, just your presence, like Christ himself. The minute he walk into the room, he has the authority. He doesn't have to say anything. He has the authority. That's and you know, uh, Hillary was sharing about what she has to go through. And that, and that is an encouragement of that. Unless you're ready, I cannot pray through what you want me to pray. I 
Is that what you were talking about, Hilary? Yes. If I could just say just very briefly, it was the whole thing of coming to the realization if people have been removed by the from the ecclesia by the Lord and then they want to come back, Jesus is the gatekeeper. John 10:3. And only if he says yes for them to come in, that shift to be able to be made and trust rebuilt. Otherwise, the whole thing's going to get divided. And it's that thing of fully yielding to Jesus, not letting our relationship with people drive us. But actually, yes, then coming to that place, it was my testing that Jesus is the Lord and the head of his body, his ecclesia. And if he says, bring this one back in, we do it. And if he says no, we have to have that courage to say no. And uh, Shirley pointed out that part of the ecclesia's role is to actually confront these powers of false governance and evil. So I'm learning a lot. Yep, Great. thank you. Okay, thanks, Hillary. Yes, so let us go. We're, that was great, great stuff, Lena, about being tested and the going through the testing and coming out of it on the other end can oftentimes bring us greater authority and greater confidence in our, in our authority and in our influence. So that's a really an important point. So we were group five. There were a couple of emphases in our group. One of them was, was great from, from Christine, actually, from coming from a place of, at one point, feeling like in prayer, I can't do anything, to, to feeling like when I'm with other people and we're coming together in agreement with God, we can change whatever the situation is. And getting really getting a revelation of the power of just two or three people praying together. This was life-changing for her as it is for, for all of us who are coming into that revelation. There was another, Friedrich was talking about that occupy means more than just like doing business. It means to step into something and to possess it, how important that is. And Wendy brought up the point of that it's not just a, it's about arising and being fearless. And, and being called together to be involved in his governance. But at the same time, we also have to care for the body. We have to care for each other and the life that we're in together. That we, It's not just about warring. It's also about lifting each other up and building each other up, helping to heal the wounds. And, and this is partly how we build a community of trust that Susan has been talking about. That's just so vitally important because we are a community. We are a family. We have to be expressing love towards each other. And when we have trust for each other, this is how we can come into agreement with each other and with God more easily and, and be of one accord, be in that John 17 position. That's all the groups, Susan. It's, we're at the end of the hour. Do you have any comments that you want to finish off with and any, any announcements before we close? Yeah, the next watch, which is at 3 p.m. Jerusalem time, is, a, I believe, an important watch. It's going to be focused on Iran. And Susie and Cameron Yariai, I hope I'm pronouncing that, are going to be with us. They have a ministry into Iran that's using multimedia. Uh, actually, Susan Donnell Shariat wrote back to us and said that they highly recommend them. So they are coming highly recommended and we'll have, a, I believe, a pulse beat for what's going on with Iran. So that's at three o'clock and it's on at this same home place. <laughs> and I know that people are going through various time changes. So just keep in mind that 
just look at Israel and figure it out from there. <laughs> what time we're in and what time zone we're in. The timeanddate.com is a good place to look if you need to convert your time. Um, we get easily jangled with this. This is about <laughs> taking responsibility, please, because I'll probably set you off course. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. That's why we go by Jerusalem time, because otherwise, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had to do so many corrections in the past. I just don't even trust myself. <laughs> yeah, we're all the knots. Okay. Very good. All right. Let us go to the world renowned Molly Joshi. Molly, you want to unmute yourself and close us off in prayer? Oh, Father God, we're just so grateful that we can come together, that you handpicked each one to be here, Lord, in this hour, to glorify and to magnify your name, to hear from Father God, your heart, what you're saying to your son, being revealed to us by your spirit. Father, we thank you that you give us sensitive hearts to hear. And thank you for a teacher like Dean Briggs. We bless him right now for the revelation you've given him and to help understand the function, the role, and the purposes of the kingdom for which you have aligned each one of us. Father, may all that you have taught us, each one where we are standing on the walls of the nations that you've handpicked us, may we come in alignment, may we come in understanding, may we continue to grow in the wisdom and revelation of Jesus, and we come into every fruitfulness for the kingdom of God to advance. Father, we thank you for teaching us. We ask you, Father, teach us how to pray. Teach us your ways, establish us in faith, strengthen us with one another and build the unity and the oneness that you have for us. And we bless Sue and Dr. Fred and all the leadership of the Global Watch and all our families. We thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. Everybody, yes. I need to Amen. Amen. God bless you all. God bless you all. God bless you all. Thank you. God bless you.